Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff, on editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out another issue of the newsletter yesterday. The main thing that we saw was that the Delta softness that we picked up a couple of weeks ago seems like it was relatively short-lived. Uh, we had a comment from Disney saying that they saw a little bit of slowdown in traffic to Disneyland for a couple of weeks, and then it picked back up after Labor Day. And then the other big thing last week was that the Federal Reserve met and confirmed that they're planning to taper at the next meeting. They were pretty pretty firm about it. Jerome Powell was pretty firm that that's the direction that they're moving. So those were the two big things that I leave to me. Eric, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a, quite a big thing that the Fed looks to be tapering. And that, that's why this week's newsletter is time to taper. But I mean, like, is this, I should ask, is this the first time they actually are deliberately saying that this is a time to taper kind of from your end since you've been following? Yeah, I mean, Fed. they've been teasing that they were planning to do this for a while through the media and things like that. And at, I think originally the plan was probably to start tapering at this meeting. But then there was a weak, uh, weak jobs report at the beginning of September, and then Delta stuff, I think, pushed them out a little bit. But Jerome Powell definitely changed his tone at this meeting. He says substantial further progress is all but met as the test for unemployment. And he said, it's time for us to begin to taper the programs that are outstanding. Their usefulness is much less as a tool than it was at the very beginning is what he said. So the quantitative easing is coming to an end. I mean, over a slow ramp down, I think by mid-year next year, it'll be be over. It's still gonna be a while until rates are raised, but yeah, tapering at least has started. Tightening has started and moving in a tighter, tighter direction now. Interesting. I mean, JP Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Dimon, I think was on CNBC and was saying something about he's, he da- he thinks that the uh, Fed is moving a bit too slowly. Just be, I mean, it's what we've been saying also, like they may be too data dependent, as they say, uh, quote unquote, but then like you, you kind of worry if they're moving a bit too slowly on some of these things, like tapering, like, you know, like raising rate. I mean, the, the flash in the pan in terms of data that was in August seem to have slowed them down, but then like September is back to normal again. Yeah, I mean, I think the economic emergency ended around September of last year in the US, at least. There had been so much stimulus that people were clearly being bridged until a vaccine was coming. And then, you know, we chronicled euphoric economic activity going back to April of this year. So yeah, no question that the Fed is behind the curve and actually, you know, contributing to some of the supply chain bottlenecks that we're seeing, inflation that we're seeing, because there's so much stimulus coming through that's pumping demand that's contributing to to some of these problems. So yeah, I think it's past time for them to start moving in the other direction. And Jamie Diamond captured that. Yeah, I think maybe another thing that we saw is just a continuation of the same themes that we've been seeing for a while, that inflation is actually going to be with us into 2022. Lots of companies still seeing increased rates of, I mean, shipping, everything across the board, everything is actually raising. Uh, But the thing that captured my attention, though, was that some company, or at least some retailers are actually restricting how much people can buy in the grocery stores. So that's pretty interesting because it takes you back to the pandemic when there was a lot of people trying to, you know, hoard goods uh, and services. And then the companies had to say, like, at the end of the day, like, you know, you can't take maybe more than two toilet papers or something like that. I saw that a lot in Sweden and also in the US. So I'm not so sure, like, uh, the, uh, 
a lot of people are trying to actually, there's kind of, people are going back to stockpiling some goods which they expect to be in short supply, especially as you head into the holiday season. Have you seen that yourself or any hints on that happening? I haven't really experienced any shortages out here right now, but you know we're certainly reading about them. They, the comments on supply chain tightness are universal and across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. we had six or seven quotes just this week from companies talking about supply chain issues and how they're affecting, especially the transportation sector. Maybe you can comment a little bit about some two quotes I saw there in the financial section about in, for the premium customers that you had. Something about debt yeah. markets being tight for commercial real estate. Yeah. So there were two quotes that were in the financial section that were just for subscribers. One of them was talking about debt markets being tight for commercial real estate, which we've seen in other calls from various REITs that have, have been, been talking. I actually didn't look at where spreads are for some of these companies, but I thought it was interesting because it's like one of the only segments of all of capital markets where anyone's talking about any tightness. So that just read to me as a place where maybe there's a value opportunity here, especially because they're, they're claiming Maserich at least was claiming that they're not having any trouble leasing and that traffic is back to 2019 levels. So, you know, maybe there's actually a value opportunity there. And then the other quote was in the Federal Reserve press conference talking about Wells Fargo. Jerome Powell had some pretty, pretty stern language for Wells Fargo and talking about how the Fed is keeping a very tight watch on them and they're under asset growth restrictions and, you know, they're going to be continuing to monitor the bank. So I think that's a, that's, a bit of a negative headwind for Wells Fargo, but something that we pulled out for, for subscribers. Isn't this one of the companies that uh, Warren Buffett is uh, backing in terms of banks? I think it's one of the only banks that he still, I don't know if he still owns share, but it's pretty striking that they were, uh, the, Fed, the Fed would actually point out a specific bank to be keeping a close eye on, because that seems to indicate that some of the issues that it's been having. And I think some of the language also the Fed uses, like what the Fed chair uses is, widespread and pervasive problems, that's a bit kind of a damning indictment for the companies. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, Wells Fargo has had some scandals over the last few years and some operating problems driven by those. So, I mean, it's, it's well known that it's been scrutinized, but it was surprising to me that it got elevated to the press conference this time. And the tone from Jerome Powell, I hadn't seen the tone itself from Jerome Powell before on Wells Fargo. One other thing that was just for subscribers that I thought was interesting to call out here too, were some of the dynamics in the movie industry and theatrical releases. Very um, interesting. There've been a lot, of, a lot of question marks post COVID about what theatrical release windows would be like, what streaming would be like relative to some, some of the uh, movies that, that studios are producing, especially with AMC being a meme stock that has a lot of uh, a lot of interest too. But I think what you're seeing is after Labor Day, there was Shanghai or Shang-Chi. I actually don't even know how they pronounce it, but it was a very successful theater release. So it was interesting to get updated thoughts, especially from Disney's CEO on what he was thinking about the release window. And what we saw from Disney and Viacom was they were saying that basically they see themselves as having multiple distribution channels now, and then maybe bigger budget pictures go to movie theaters and smaller budget pictures go direct to streaming, which seems like a logical way to do this to me. Either way, windows for movie releases still getting shorter in theaters, you know, total box office receipts way down. So 
seems like there would be some headwinds to the movie theater business in some overcapacity there. Any thoughts, Eric? There's pretty much a lot for companies to think in terms of how they're going to release their future, I mean, uh, content, because I think initially they the thought was that every, they would shift, like Disney would just shift most of their content to releasing them on streaming services. But then they, I think over time, also companies have realized there's a huge benefit that they that you can't get the same amount of revenues on the streaming services that you get maybe on a, like when you release a movie and then it hits a box office and then you get so much money during the, the weekends, the, you know, it's, it's different. So I think that's why maybe they are kind of categorizing, like some movies will be strictly say for streaming or release them, release them in the theaters, but then for a little while and then switch them back to streaming. Any other quotes that stood out for you this week? You know, in the wisdom section. I wanted I to hear that. A bunch of quotes from Henry Ford. I read his autobiography last week and it was really interesting to, to read his words. He's obviously a titan of industry of the early 20th century. And there's a lot of stuff that still rings true uh, to the way that he operated Ford compared to other even industrial startups today in the way that he thinks about things. But one thing that especially because of the change in monetary policy from the Federal Reserve this week stood out to me that Ford had in his book was a little bit of a, a diatribe on monetary policy and talking about how the people are firmly in favor of sound money and that a dollar that stays 100 cents is as necessary as a pound that stays 16 ounces and a yard that stays 36 inches. It's just interesting to me that 100 years, you're still having these debates over monetary policy and the right political you know, strategy to take with respect to money. But yeah, it was super interesting. One of the quotes you highlighted, which actually stood out there for me, was ask 100 people how they want a particular article made, and about 80 will not know. It kind of reflects a bit on uh, what Steve Jobs said about customers, that they do not know what they want. And that that's still your market. You still need to produce products that actually fit them without them themselves knowing that actually this is a product they want. But when they see it, they're like, yeah, this is actually what we wanted all along. So pretty interesting yeah. to see how 100 years later, things haven't really changed. Yeah, I thought that quote was really interesting for a variety of reasons. One is, I think a lot of people know the Henry Ford quote that if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so there's that quote rattling around, but this quote was a, a, was a bit different where he was saying, if, I, if you ask your customers what they want, 85% won't say anything. And those are actually your largest market. If there's 5% of people who will say exactly what they want, but it's kind of like the squeaky wheel getting the grease. It's easy to build a product that uh, is tailored to people who are very vocal about their demands. And you end up missing the larger uh, audience that actually just like doesn't say what they want. But that, those are really the massive people that you, you want to understand as your core customer set. So I thought that was really, really good lesson even for today. Indeed. I think if you had asked people that for them to have a, uh, a newsletter, like the transcript, I wonder if anyone would actually have come up with it. But I think through iteration, through time, now we have it and it's really enjoyable. Uh, and many customers are actually paying for their products at the end of the day. So I think like it's, 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 a, it's the same nugget that comes across. Like people don't know, but sometimes you create something in the process, they actually know like, okay, this is actually what I wanted at the end of the day. And so that's yeah. a pretty good analo analogy to relate to. And Q3 is actually coming to an end. This is the last week of Q3. Next month, we'll be pretty busy with tons of earnings calls. Keep tuning into the transcript so that we can keep uh, giving you 
uh, the very best of, of what we learned from earnings calls. And uh, definitely we'll keep you in the loop uh, of all the things that we are also reading, like books and articles that we come across also. So see you next week. And thank you so much for joining us this week. Bye. Thanks everyone.